You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. Welcome back, everybody, to the Dodge Movie Podcast, and happy holidays! We hope that you're enjoying a wonderful celebration with your family, whatever you choose to celebrate. We are wrapping up our month of Jewish films and Hanukkah films this month, and we're going to finish it up with the film The Holiday. It came out in 2006. It's written and directed by Nancy Myers. We know her for Private Benjamin, Father of the Bride, Baby Boom, Something's Gotta Give, The Intern, a lot of great films that people have heard of. It stars Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, Jack Black, Eli Wallach, and Ed Burns. The DP was Dean Cundy. A lot of his films are well-known. Jurassic Park, Apollo 13, who framed Roger Rabbit, and Back to the Future 3. It took place in uh, Surrey, England, uh, Oxfordshire, England, London, and San Marino, Beverly Hills, and Culver City. We watched it for free on TBS with our, I guess, our cable subscription. So if that's available to you, it is also available on Amazon and Apple. The synopsis for this film is two women troubled with guy problems swap homes in each other's countries where they each meet a local guy and fall in love. There are no taglines for this film. Yeah, they were too tired from making it to come up with taglines. (laughs) The trivia for this film is it was specifically written with Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet, Jude Law, and Jack Black in mind. That's amazing. That says something about... Nancy Myers pull that as she wrote this film for these four actors that she got them all. Yeah, you gotta have some juice. I'll write stuff for people, but I can't guarantee <laughs> that they're gonna show. <laughs> you were so prescient. Is that Yeah, yeah. The film that you wrote for Brendan Fraser. <laughs> That's right. Because he's making a resurgence, so Right. Unfortunately in that film he was playing a slightly younger person, so I'm gonna have to retool it a bit. Yes, yes. All right. I think it'll work though. You think so? All right, Mike. This is a rom com, so let's see if your rule, if your theory holds. What is the pickup line of this film? I have found almost everything written about love to be true. I think it works. I think it does. For this film. Your theory holds. We should have been keeping track. Well, or you can just stipulate that I'm right. Okay. That's easier. Let's just say that. Less math. Only on this topic, though. Well, yeah. (laughs) To be clear, I don't want you to get a big head that you're right on everything. I might be right on other topics coincidentally, but we're only stipulating for the one. (laughs) All right. I loved the sweet little cottage that was Kate Winslet's in England. In Surrey. I, I, I called it Thomas Kincaid Cottage. Very much so. Yeah. It actually it like it. was based on a real cottage. Location scouts found it and they recreated it, the exterior. There's a featurette I found and it was like bare bones, like two by fours. They built the cottage in one week but it took four weeks to do the landscaping around to make it look like it had been there for hundreds of years i could see that again the the expense behind that (laughs) i know because it wasn't a livable cottage no that they could shoot in so 
Famously, in Firefly, the TV show, they built the entire ship, but they filmed in the entire ship. Mm-hmm. So that made sense. It was yeah. a practical right. set. You use it in every episode. You use all parts of it. That was, you know, it's like the, 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 the tribes, they'd use all part of the buffalo. So mm-hmm. if you're going to build a thing, use all parts of it. But that, that's, oh, geez. Well, and even more so, we're kind of jumping ahead just to sets. But you found that the home, let's see, the was it the home in? It was Amanda's home in yes. L.A. It, um, the interior sets for Amanda's home were built on a soundstage and cost approximately $1 million. They didn't have exterior walls, a roof, plumbing, heating, or electricity. And it still cost a million dollars. Oh, my Isn't gosh. that nuts? That's insane. Right. Like, the amount of money. You know, I know you said, like, they wouldn't spend it if they had to, but it does seem like... You know, if I got a hold of this, I'm sure we could rent a house for a while. But maybe not. Maybe down there. But if you had so many production days and if you're paying somebody, someone, you know, in Beverly Hills or San Marino in this case, maybe the daily rate by the time you, you know, the million is cheaper. I don't think so. I think that that just feels like somebody said, I want, I mean, she had enough juice to, to get. Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet to show up. I think she had enough juice where she said, no, we need, like, the houses you've all shown me are not good enough. They're not big enough. They, I need the wow factor. Because part of the comedy of it was the tiny cottage versus the massive estate. But there's a famous estate there in L.A. Is it Silverstone? Something like that. It's been in bazillions of things. Mm-hmm. You could find massive palatial estates i think so i just think the director was like no uh, like i got the pull i'm gonna do this Mm -hmm. right so there was a lot of contrasts in this film you've got the cold white snow fallen right it's december England england versus the you know mostly sunny a little windy uh (laughs) okay 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 (laughs) Uh Oh, I have triggered a Santa Ana rant. You have. So I'm just telling the audience, I don't ever want to hear about Santa Ana wins again. I'm sick of it. My whole childhood, I had to listen to idiots talking about them. And to her credit, Rachel Bloom did a great send up of them in her her series, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Because people down there are just morons when it comes to these Santa Ana wins. But I don't think they're in December. When do they when do they usually occur? Well, see, I should have done my research. I didn't because I just thought of this while we were talking, but I could have swore it wasn't December. It's like September or something. So, I don't know. Anyway, it was dumb because okay, I I never participated in a Santa Ana win that was at tornado levels like it was in this film. I mean, you you could tell off screen they had like three of those giant fans <laughs> powered by a V8 Buick. Right? I mean, it was just insane. So I, I didn't buy that. That took me way out of the film. Um, <laughs> did you like how, okay, how could you have done the, I mean, because that was basically uh, Jack Black's character and Kate Winslet's character's meet cute, right? Yeah. So how would you do it so that they could get close? She could get almost anything else in her eye. It didn't need 
<laughs> Force 10 from Navarone winds coming at her. But it, it could be like a bug. Uh, it could be your hands were full and there's something in her eye. Uh, there's, a, there's a variety of other options one could do. But more importantly, right, there should have been a link with Eli Wallach, who tells her later about the meat cute, which is, I think, really for the viewer and not yeah. for her. But yeah. That that was an opportunity there, right? Is he could have like like he could have linked up with, with how he met his wife. Let's say. Oh, I wonder where Nancy hails from, and is that her putting him in because she's had an assful of people <laughs> talking about the Santa Anas, right? And so yeah. it's like, oh God, these people can't stop talking about. It. Yeah, <laughs> is there another region that has a wind named after it? I, I, <laughs> you know, like I, that's that's good. Yeah, well, the boy, Chicago, the Windy City, the Pacoima breezes. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> uh, that's that's an excellent question. Well, the thing to me that, that is so infuriating about it right. is, okay, for maybe a week or two, you've got a wind coming from the other direction. Big whoop. <laughs> right? I don't understand the <laughs> the obsession with it, right? It's not like it's... A tidal wave or something that causes, you know, that, that really, you know, you have to mobilize the troops for. Oh, the wind is coming out of the east. Ooh. Yeah, I don't get it. I just, All right. It's Moving lost on. on me. So a couple of years ago when I worked on a film and they were utilizing fog to create that oh, yeah. look of when kind of the sun, usually it's often used in movies early in the morning that there's kind of like the sun is coming through the window and you can you gotta see, see the line. Yeah. So um, that's when I see it used. And I was a little bumped. I didn't understand why Eli Wallach's living room. <laughs> I made the same mid, exact note. Midday needed to have the needed fog. Needed fog. Yeah. <laughs> so w- w- were they trying to suggest that he was an herbal American? Like, I, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah. But I did enjoy during the Hanukkah dinner, which got this film uh, to be chosen this month. I loved how the menorah, the flame was just above where the holder is showing that the candles have burnt all the way down. Right. And how showing the length of time that the dinner had been right. going yeah, that on. Was, that was nice. And I also say good writing here. I appreciate as an older screenwriter myself uh-huh. that Eli Wallach's character and his friends, they were not played as kind of the stereotypical Grandpa Simpson, like, I hate everything, that they were still witty, they were still vibrant, they were just older right. than, than Jack Black and right. Kate Winslet. So I like that. Yeah, I'd be curious only having a peripheral experience with, like, Hollywood and filmmaking. Right. How people in the business, they're like, oh, yeah, he nailed. I would think that Eli Wallach, because he's been in the movie business oh, so long. ever. I bet he nailed. I mean, he's met all those people sure, sure. that he was basically I felt, I felt like he did a good job at portraying what an older screenwriter would be. A little bit of trivia. The website that Amanda and Iris use to exchange houses is a real website, homeexchange.com. Mike, would you ever do this? Would you ever exchange homes with someone on the other side of the world absolutely not 
a few months after this movie came out, the popularity of home swapping was on the rise, so much so, in fact, that police in England had to issue a warning against swapping homes with strangers due to identity fraud and murders. Extra murdering? <laughs> I know. Over a simple movie. Oh. I mean, it's kind of like when... No, no, no. That makes total sense. You swap homes and then you commit the murder there, not in your own home. <laughs> there you go. This film had a lot of kind of like movie, not only movie, kind of like the world of movies in it. Sure. But it had, I can't tell if I liked it or it kind of was a little too meta was the constant Amanda trailer. Oh, yeah. I have never seen that in a film. So I made a note of that. So for the viewer, what we're talking about is in the middle of the movie, it would go into the voiceover and then some some shots like it was a movie trailer, but it was describing what was happening for the character of Amanda played by Cameron Diaz. And I think was, I noted three times it did yes, that. Yes, I think it was. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I I was like, a, I don't know if I'd want to see it again, but I was okay with it. Like maybe once? I don't know. But what I did appreciate is I got Hal Douglas, who is the guy yeah, that the everybody knows. One of the voiceover guys. Yeah. 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 So I did like that. I've more than once talked about Billy Murnett's position that rom-coms live and die on their female lead. Mm-hmm. And I think in this film, Cameron Diaz is doing great work. She has a nice smile, but Kate Winslet can carry a rom-com. I think she should do more of them. Because I think she's got that magical mixture of girl next door with a sexy leading lady, but in an appealing and approachable way that the that the viewer is pulling for her. I think really she did she did a great job. This is casting. And I know you mentioned that she didn't feel comfortable with her comedic abilities, but I don't think rom coms need their their leads to strictly be funny. At least both of them. Mm-hmm. So Jack Black is an inherently funny person, so I think it was fine. Mm-hmm. That was that worked well. What was difficult for me was just the sheer length. I remember liking this movie, but wow, it's long. It's like two hours and 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so my snark at the time when we're watching it is this feels like two movies that were put back to back because in the first hour we see very little of Kate Winslet and almost nothing of Jack Black. It mm-hmm. really does feel like two movies that have characters in them that are related but other than that are relatively independent i watched one interview with nancy myers and she said something about the two movies and i went oh mike was right (laughs) why wouldn't she just do two movies because then she could get twice the price tag yeah the backhand i don't know well, maybe now with kind of the, the Marvel-style shooting, they'd shoot it all in one big, long f- principal photography, and then they'd cut it into two and release it separately. Yeah, I don't know. it could have been. I mean, I guess the whole wife or wife swap. Uh, the house swap was kind of integral. That would be good for the sequel, is it's just wife swapping. <laughs> Except go. it's creepy that, that Jude Law's character is related to Kate Winslet's character. Yeah. So under editing, I said it, it definitely could be a bit tighter. Right. There was a great scene that I love the edit. Amanda is in the bathtub, and she's kind of freaking out, and she splashes really big. And then it cut immediately to her tire, because she basically jumped out of the 
tub and cut to her tire going through a big watery puddle. Right. So I thought that was, that was a, a cool nice edit. edit. But speaking of her freaking out, I, I was going to ask if you thought it was particularly realistic that women of that age would have, in essence, an epileptic seizure to music. Like, both both characters, Amanda and Iris, put on a song and then have this incredibly vigorous, not particularly coordinated dance, I guess you would call it, to the music. And, I, I, I mean... I thought it was unrealistic when Tom Cruise in Risky Business does it, but that was kind of a movie moment, right? Yeah. So maybe they were trying to harken back to that, but it looked ridiculous to me. I just, but is that a thing that that maybe younger women would do? I definitely probably did it more when I was a teenager. You just put on music and dance in your room. Huh. I didn't, I didn't clock it when we were watching it, (laughs) but watching some of the interviews with Nancy Myers, she said she made Cameron's character, Amanda, clumsy because she feels very clumsy. And so looking back on it, I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Like she was, like, remember she was coming down the stairs in England and she hit her head. And she was always kind of, they showed a couple when they were talking about it, a couple scenes where she was kind of just come. And, and she's tall, so I kind of, you associate kind of that, Awkward, you know, kind of gangly. Sure. Okay. So her. maybe that but, was the intent behind that scene was to show her awkwardly spazzing out. Sorry to use the word, but right. that's what we would call it when we were younger. Yeah. That that awkward flailing about. Yeah. And then I think when Kate Winslet first gets to the house, and she's kind of like running around. She probably can't run around in her cottage. So the sheer size of the house in San Marino would be a bit overwhelming. And I think you would kind of just run around and. Well, maybe this is just me, but I was thinking more of a, huh, <laughs> than a running around. No, because think about it. She's getting, I mean, she had to pay for her plane flight, but she's living another woman's life that is so different from her own. Right, but there this would is be again, like a thrill and an excitement in it. Oh, see, uh, this is why I'm not doing <laughs> wife swap. I mean, house swapping, because uh, no, like my immediate thing would be stop and assess. Okay, this is an entirely different giant house. Where could people be hiding? Right. What I are think, my exits? I think people are getting an insight into your psyche. <laughs> I would be running around going, oh, my God, it has a swimming pool. Oh, right. <laughs> my favorite is she got to the gym and just immediately turned to 180. and, and Like, but, oh, what, I'm not going to do anything with this. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. Of no use to me. Let yeah. me find the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, it's like on the, on the reality show where they're on the super yacht and one guy is working out. And I was thinking, who brings their weights on vacation with them? Yeah. Right? Come no. on. Come on. Under sound, you mentioned to me, and so I noted that Jack Black's, his name was Miles, a studio setup seen in the opening scene of the movie with the keyboard, monitors, sound modules, etc., was copied directly from the studio of Hans Zimmer, who composed the score for this film. And certainly Hans is one of the most prolific uh, scorers for motion pictures. What I find interesting is... I know Hans for all of his kind of 
epic music stuff. Did he do um, Beverly Hills Cop? Uh, I or don't is that know. Fault. Harold Faltemeyer did at least one song in Beverly Hills Cop. Okay. I don't know who did the score proper. But, for example, one of Hans's protégés, yes. uh, Steve Jablonski, did the Transformers movies. And there's that sound, right, that yeah. you associate with Hans. Uh, Crimson Tide is, I think, one of his. Oh, okay. Do you think of that? And this is not, right? And Jack Black mentions that uh, Mr. Zimmer also did Driving Miss Daisy and some other things. So I think that was fun to include something because we maybe the lay person such as myself I don't consider myself an expert in music scores for movies I didn't know that Hans did some fun other stuff that was not the you know all the same kind of stuff so that was neat also I tried to pay attention um, and I think Jack Black at least for portions that we could see was playing the keyboard I was looking at that I know he plays the guitar but I was curious and it did look like he was, in fact, playing the keyboard. Yes. Mm-hmm. I tried to sync up the, the notes, and it looked like it was matching. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, listener Dustin, is not just your films that I watch for these things. <laughs> I, everyone is, suffers. Did we have any head trauma? We did have one early on. Ethan, played by Edward Burns, he ducks both running shoes, but then later she punches him twice in the face twice. in the driveway. How was her form? We really didn't see much of it, so oh, okay. I, cu- I couldn't offer a couldn't offer anything. I'm gonna say probably not too good because she didn't appear to injure her hand, and I would think if she punched him hard enough without uh, w- without a wrap or a glove, she would have done some damage. Yeah. Um, how about a smoochie? Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. So we have. A few smoochies. So Graham kisses Iris twice at 44.50, and then she kisses him back a whole lot more. Mm -hmm. Um, Miles kisses Iris's cheek, which I thought was very interesting because I'm not sure I could kiss a woman's cheek without it being very forward and invasive. But he apologizes. He says... I think he apologizes for the second one. Yeah, he goes, that was kind of weird that I lingered. And then Iris kisses Miles at the WGA event. And at the end, Amanda kisses Graham goodbye. So there's quite a few smoochies spread throughout a fairly long film, but they're there. (laughs) How about a driving review? There's a little bit of driving. Oh, yeah, there is. Okay. So um, the Mercedes town car shows that Amanda is wealthy, and it's a nice contrast to the Ford Crown Vic taxi showing that Iris isn't. There are several scenes where people, main characters, are driving motor vehicles without watching the road, which kind of irritated me. Don't look at the map. Look at the road. Don't look at Cameron Diaz. Look at the road. (laughs) But also, this I can't really get past. They show Amanda drinking out of a bottle of wine in the store, and we know that she then drives home. So that was an, that was a big no-no, in a my opinion. Big no-no. Um, so uh, what I couldn't figure out was why Miles was driving that Audi convertible. I wasn't sure what it was supposed to say. Now, an Audi is more a slightly more expensive car, but his character doesn't seem like a convertible person. And in particular, maybe I'm overthinking this, which is possible, but you're a musician, and they show him with sheet music. So I think a convertible is right out for people who have sheet music. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure about the choice of the car 
the Amanda's card that was back in California. I'm sure Alexis gave them a deal. But if she can have that big a house in San Marino, I'm not sure that a, a small Lexus crossover SUV is really where she's going to go. Now, maybe you could argue that she had many, many other cars, but that was when she allowed the Rando from England to drive. And there was a little bit of a plot problem. So early in the film, they want to have the classic comedy of the person in stiletto heels trying to walk in rugged terrain. So the Mercedes town car that Amanda hires says, oh, I can't turn around down there. You're going to have to walk. Fair enough. But then several times throughout the film, Graham's Land Rover is seen like driving willy nilly. So I kind of, and then at a later point, the Mercedes actually does a U-turn to go back. So, that that, that kind of bugged me but um, I, I feel like that driver would have been able to navigate even if he had to back down the, 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 the driveway he would have been able to figure that out which easily could have been solved because you could have had like a farmer with a herd of sheep exactly and so very common then she would have to walk because right. the car could he says we have to wait for the sheep she says i don't i i, I don't want to wait she gets out and walks so yeah that was a, a little bit of plot hole there okay one thing i forgot to mention that i wanted to is i noticed that cameron was often dressed in right, right. very light colors mm-hmm. white or cream there was yeah. a couple times one time she was wearing a black skirt one time she was wearing a black coat. I think she had black pants on once. But other than that, she yeah. was yeah. always in very pastels mm-hmm. or often white or cream. I found out that she got to keep her wardrobe oh. from the film. So I thought, oh, is this a neat way? <laughs> <laughs> she went shopping. Yeah. And she was just like, put everything in a very similar palette. That way I can mix and match with stuff I have at home. <laughs> I would love to talk to the head of the costume department for this one, because I know that like all professionals on a film, they are doing a specific thing. They're Mm -hmm. making choices. I would love to know what those were. Mm -hmm. Was it as simple as we had a big name actress and she said, I would like things that are in white or cream. Mm -hmm. And they said, okay. Mm -hmm. Or was it uh, something different? Was it going for, you know, like the, the wedding dress theme, the angelic, the the uh, California, because you'll notice her house, the walls were all white. So were they trying to pull, you know, a little bit of that to, to the England side when she's in the cottage? So who knows? Because... She was a little type A and maybe like high strung and kind of in that Hollywood world. Do you think that the white, like you mentioned, was supposed to evoke like an angelic, like she's really a good person. Like, I guess they couldn't have focused the group to this because you can't go back and post and change somebody's wardrobe. But were they concerned the audiences wouldn't root for her? They would only root for Iris. Right. And so we need to put her in angelic clothes. That's a good thing. For me, now that I think about it, there's a little bit of a bump there. Because if she's klutzy, I don't think she's wearing light colors. You're she so wants right. Patterns. You're so right. But I just, I was like, wow, she's almost always no, in you white. Had, you had a really good eye. And it does set up a contrast because it seems like... Jude Law's character Graham is wearing like dark. browns or or blues like a darker palette. I was trying to think like 
Eli Wallach's character and Miles, like I can't really even think what they were wearing, but I do recall that Iris had a black swimsuit and she had a black dress when she went to the to to the WGA awards. So maybe it was just to set up that very obvious contrast, you know, these two things are different. Okay, so as you say that, what was Miles wearing? Did he wear white? So it was a you know, kind of like a black and white in both couples. Yeah, I don't remember what Miles wore. Okay, yeah. uh, so uh, super fan RJ, when you watch the film, uh, <laughs> make note of this for us. And it was let just us know. something I noticed, and then when I saw she got to keep it, I went, "Oh, I wonder if that was part of it." Yeah. Like it's <laughs> funny, you know, they they never report that uh, Jack Black got to keep his wardrobe, right? And maybe he did. <laughs> All right, so we go to the numbers. Let's go to the numbers. All right, the budget for this film was $85 million. It did quite well. It um, got $63 million domestically, and then when they took it worldwide, it made $205 million, so almost two and a half times the initial budget return. And adjusted for inflation today, the domestic number would be $87.7 million. Wow. So domestically, they would have kind of just so, recouped basically like 42 million per film right <laughs> yes <laughs> they got a 6.9 out of 10 on imdb critics not so favorably gave it 50 percent, but audiences love this movie and gave it 80 percent. so i do like this movie i don't mm-hmm. know if, if maybe i like it as much as them but i i my one knock and i'm sorry ms meyer because i think you've done better in other films is it just Felt long. Uh-huh. It, it, I think it really could have been tightened up quite a bit. Honestly, if you had told me this was two, because it came in at two hours and 16 minutes, I would not have remembered that. I loved it. I didn't it. remember it was that long. I love this movie. The first time I saw it, it was great. But it really did drag this time. Yeah. I, and I was, I was like, could they have left that out? Could they have yeah. left that out as we were watching it? Because it did drag on. It's rated PG-13. It is labeled as a rom-com. And it's a Columbia Pictures Universal Pictures film. It won for the International Film Music Critics Award for Best Score. So congratulations, Hans Zimmer. Yeah, Mr. Zimmer. Good job, buddy. Way to go. So that concludes our month of Hanukkah movies, films about the Jewish community. And we just want to wish everybody who is listening a happy holiday. We hope you're enjoying your holidays with your family or your maid family or whoever you choose to be with we wish you the best from dodge media productions and we have some exciting news about how we're going to roll out next year's films and we're going to kind of make a game of it we really want to hear from the audience and we're hoping that this is a way to do that so have a great end of the year and never forget mazel tov i mean dodges never stop and neither do the movies Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to dodgemediaproductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop, and neither do the movies. 